Vatican Radio presents Fratelli Tutti, the encyclical letter of His Holiness Pope Francis on fraternity and social friendship. Adapted for radio by Mara Michelli. English production directed by Sister Bernadette Mary Rees. Chapter 2, Part 2 the characters of the story. The parable begins with robbers. Jesus chose to start when the robbery had already taken place lest we dwell on the crime itself or the thieves who committed it. Yet we know them well. We have seen, descending on our world, the dark shadows of neglect and violence in the service of petty interests of power, gain and division. The real question is this. Will we abandon the injured man and run to take refuge from the violence? Or will we pursue the thieves? Will the wounded man end up being the justification for our irreconcilable divisions, our cruel indifference, our profound conflicts. The parable then asks us to take a closer look at the passers-by, the nervous indifference that makes them pass to the other side of the road, whether innocently or not, whether the result of disdain or mere distraction makes the priest and the Levite a sad reflection of the growing gulf between ourselves and the world around us. There are many ways to pass by at a safe distance. We can retreat inwards, ignore others, or be indifferent to their plight. Or simply look elsewhere, as in some countries or certain sectors of them, where contempt is shown for the poor and their culture, and one looks the other way as if A development plan imported from without could edge them out. This is how some justify their indifference. The poor, whose pleas for help might touch their hearts, simply do not exist. The poor are beyond the scope of their interest. One detail about the passers-by does stand out. They were religious, devoted to the worship of God, a priest and a Levite. This detail should not be overlooked. It shows that belief in God and the worship of God are not enough to ensure that we are actually living in a way 
pleasing to God. A believer may be untrue to everything that his faith demands of him, and yet think he is close to God, and better than others. The guarantee of an authentic openness to God, on the other hand, is a way of practicing the faith that helps open our hearts to our brothers and sisters. Saint John Chrysostom expressed this pointedly when he challenged his Christian hearers: "Do you wish to honor the body of the Savior? Do not despise it when it is naked. Do not honor it in church with silk vestments, while outside it is naked and numb with cold." Paradoxically, those who claim to be unbelievers can sometimes put God's will into practice better than believers. Robbers usually find secret allies in those who pass by and look the other way. There is a certain interplay between those who manipulate and cheat society, and those who, while claiming to be detached and impartial critics, live off that system and its benefits. There is a sad hypocrisy when the impunity of crime, the use of institutions for personal or corporate gain, and other evils. Apparently impossible to eradicate, are accompanied by a relentless criticism of everything, a constant sowing of suspicion that results in distrust and confusion. The complaint that everything is broken is answered by the claim that it can't be fixed, or what can I do? This feeds into disillusionment and despair, and hardly encourages a spirit of solidarity and generosity. Plunging people into despair closes a perfectly perverse circle. Such is the agenda of the invisible dictatorship of hidden interests that have gained mastery over both resources and the possibility of thinking and expressing opinions. Let us turn at last to the injured man. There are times when we feel like him, badly hurt, and left on the side of the road. We can also feel helpless because our institutions are neglected and lack resources, or simply serve the interests of a few, without and within. Indeed, globalized society often has an elegant way of shifting its gaze. Under the guise of being politically correct or ideologically fashionable, we look at those who suffer without touching them. We televise live pictures of them. Even speaking about them with euphemisms and with apparent tolerance. Starting anew. Offers us a new opportunity, a new possibility. We should not expect everything from those who govern us, for that would be childish. We have the space we need for co-responsibility in creating and putting into place new processes and changes. Let us take an active part in renewing and supporting our troubled societies. Today, we have a great opportunity to express our innate sense of fraternity, to be good Samaritans who bear the pain of other people's troubles, rather than fomenting greater hatred and resentment. 
Like the chance traveler in the parable, we need only have a pure and simple desire to be a people, a community, constant and tireless in the effort to include, integrate, and lift up the fallen. We may often find ourselves succumbing to the mentality of the violent, the blindly ambitious, those who spread mistrust and lies. Others may continue to view politics or the economy as an arena for their own power plays. For our part, let us foster what is good and place ourselves at its service. We can start from below and case by case act at the most concrete and local levels and then expand to the farthest reaches of our countries and our world with the same care and concern that the Samaritan showed for each of the wounded man's injuries. Let us seek out others and embrace the world as it is, without fear of pain or a sense of inadequacy, because there we will discover all the goodness that God has planted in human hearts. Difficulties that seem overwhelming are opportunities for growth, not excuses for a glum resignation that can only lead to acquiescence. Yet let us not do this alone as individuals. The Samaritan discovered an innkeeper who would care for the man. We too are called to unite as a family that is stronger than the sum of small individual members. For the whole world is greater than the part, but it is also greater than the sum of its parts. Let us renounce the pettiness and resentment of useless infighting and constant confrontation. Let us stop feeling sorry for ourselves and acknowledge our crimes, our apathy, our lies. Reparation and reconciliation will give us new life and set us all free from fear. The Samaritan who stopped along the way departed without expecting any recognition or gratitude. His effort to assist another person gave him great satisfaction in life and before his God, and thus became a duty. All of us have a responsibility for the wounded, those of our own people, and all the peoples of the earth. Let us care for the needs of every man and woman, young and old, with the same fraternal spirit of care and closeness that marked the Good Samaritan. Neighbors Without Borders Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan in answer to the question, Who is my neighbor? The word neighbor in the society of Jesus' time, usually meant those nearest us. It was felt that help should be given primarily to those of one's own group and race. For some of the Jews at that time, Samaritans were looked down upon, considered impure. They were not among those to be helped. Jesus, himself a Jew, 
completely transforms this approach. He asks us not to decide who is close enough to be our neighbour, but rather that we ourselves become neighbours to all. Jesus asks us to be present to those in need of help, regardless of whether or not they belong to our social group. In this case, the Samaritan became a neighbor to the wounded Judean. By approaching and making himself present, he crossed all cultural and historical barriers. Jesus concludes the parable by saying, Go and do likewise. In other words, he challenges us to put aside all differences and in the face of suffering, to draw near to others with no questions asked. I should no longer say that I have neighbors to help, but that I must myself be a neighbor to others. The parable, though, is troubling, for Jesus says that the wounded man was a Judean, while the one who stopped and helped him was a Samaritan. This detail is quite significant for our reflection on a love that includes everyone. The Samaritans lived in a region where pagan rites were practiced. For the Jews, this made them impure, detestable, dangerous. In fact, one ancient Jewish text referring to nations that were hated speaks of Samaria as not even a people. It also refers to the foolish people that live in Shechem. This explains why a Samaritan woman, when asked by Jesus for a drink, answered curtly, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? The most offensive charge that those who sought to discredit Jesus could bring was that he was possessed and a Samaritan. So this encounter of mercy between a Samaritan and a Jew is highly provocative. It leaves no room for ideological manipulation and challenges us to expand our frontiers. It gives a universal dimension to our call to love, one that transcends all prejudices, all historical and cultural barriers, all petty interests. The Plea of the Stranger Finally, I would note that in another passage of the Gospel, Jesus says... I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Jesus could speak those words because he had an open heart, sensitive to the difficulties of others. St. Paul urges us to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. When our hearts do this, they are capable of identifying with others without worrying about where they were born or come from. In the process, we come to experience others as our own flesh. For Christians, the words of Jesus have an even deeper meaning. 
They compel us to recognize Jesus himself in each of our abandoned or excluded brothers and sisters. Faith has untold power to inspire and sustain our respect for others. For believers come to know that God loves every man and woman with infinite love and thereby confers infinite dignity upon all humanity. We likewise believe that Christ shed his blood for each one of us and that no one is beyond the scope of his universal love. If we go to the ultimate source of that love, which is the very life of the triune God, we encounter in the community of the three divine persons the origin and perfect model of all life in society. Theology continues to be enriched by its reflection on this great truth. I sometimes wonder why, in light of this, it took so long for the Church unequivocally to condemn slavery and various forms of violence. Today, with our developed spirituality and theology, we have no excuses. Still, there are those who appear to feel encouraged, or at least permitted by their faith, to support varieties of narrow and violent nationalism, xenophobia and contempt, and even the mistreatment of those who are different. Faith, and the humanism it inspires, must maintain a critical sense in the face of these tendencies and prompt an immediate response whenever they rear their head. For this reason, it is important that catechesis and preaching speak more directly and clearly about the social meaning of existence, the fraternal dimension of our spirituality, our conviction of the inalienable dignity of each person, and our reasons for loving and accepting all our brothers and sisters. You have been listening to a Vatican Radio production of Fratelli Tutti. The encyclical letter of His Holiness Pope Francis on fraternity and social friendship. Adapted for radio by Mara Micheli. English production directed by Sister Bernadette Mary Rees. In collaboration with the Vatican Publishing House, Libreria Editrice Vaticana. Featuring the voices of James Finnegan, Father Michael Kong, Thaddeus Jones, and Sister Bernadette Rees.